You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 241. Spirit, soul, and body, how healthy are you? Part 2. Last week we started a series talking about our whole person, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And we we looked at um, some ways to keep our spirits healthy. We talked about what our spirit is, what, what are some of the components of our spirit, and we talked about how to keep our spirit healthy. Today we're going to be dealing with the soul and what the soul is and how we can keep it healthy as well. And as I explained last week, this material is coming from a a talk I did recently at a uh, a training seminar for a group of missionaries, uh, talking to them. Many of them had already been serving on the field for a long time. And so um, I was asked to come in and, and, and just to broach this topic and to really maybe expose some things and to talk about some things that we would normally not talk about. I mean, in the ministry, we want to we often want to give the feeling or the the appearance that we've got everything together and we really don't have any problems and everything's just wonderful. And, you know, that may be the case, but the reality is there's times that even in the ministry we, we, we can get a little unhealthy in our soul. We can get a little unhealthy in our spirit or even physically. And so I just want to talk about some of those things and let's uh, let's see what um, God might expose, bring to the surface, and put us in a place where we can receive His healing. So I'm going to read a verse. We started, we read this, these, these verses last week, but we'll read it again. It says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, He will surely do it. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. But before we jump in, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Reflections on the Resurrection. I'm getting so much great feedback from people that have, that have read Reflections on the Resurrection and just how encouraging it is and how thought-provoking it is and how um, uh, educational it is. Uh, Reflections on the Resurrection really takes us back. We deal with why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event in history. And we talk about, uh, you know, really a number of different things. We talk about why it's important for us as Christians. We also deal with some of the the, the arguments against the resurrection. So the book is actually uh, not just educational, but it's also uh, informative and apologetic. And apologetic in the sense that we deal with 
the the arguments against the resurrection that have been posed throughout the centuries. We deal with a number of those, and we deal with them in depth. And um, really, just to not so that you can argue with people, just just so that you can know um, in, in yourself to just reassure yourself. And for those who have a, a, a genuine desire to have a discussion instead of an argument, there's some great material here um, dealing with the historicity of the resurrection. And, and the book is also devotional. And it's devotional in the sense that it's really reminding us that the resurrection is and was the central uh, message of Christianity. You know, in the early church... Um, really, they weren't so much teaching, you know, what what Jesus um, uh, did, or, or they weren't really teaching the things that um, Jesus taught in the sense of rules and regulations. Sure, they were, you know, reminiscing on the stories and the miracles that he performed. He performed, but you know, over and over again, it says that they were witnesses to the resurrection. Because there was just something about knowing that Jesus was risen from the dead. And really, this even goes back to to why the apostles were willing to die. Well, they were willing to die because they knew it was true. So I encourage you, check out Reflections on the Resurrection. You can go to, click on the link in the show notes. Go to Amazon. You can actually read a uh, probably the first chapter for free. But check it out. It's not real expensive. It's just a few bucks. And it will really, really help you. We are back, and we're talking about spirit, soul, and body. How healthy is our spirit? Well, first of all, what is our... Actually, we're talking about what, what, how healthy is our soul. How healthy is your soul? And, and really, what is your soul? You know, it's interesting because we defined our spirit last week. You can go back and listen to that. But, you know, the soul is such an interesting part of of who you are. Uh, most theologians, in fact, if you read most uh, systematic theologies, they're going to define the soul as being composed of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, this is fascinating because these are the components that often uh, people are struggling with when they have mental health issues. Now, of course, when we say mental health issues, we, we, we go to, you know, worst case scenario. But, you know, it doesn't have to be worst case scenario. It can be something as, as well, and I hate to say harmless because it's not harmless, but, but something like anxiety, something like depression. These things um, would be defined as mental health issues. So our mind, our will, and our emotions make up the components of our soul. We mentioned that, that, that we are spirit beings. We are a spirit, but we have a soul and we live in a body. Well, if our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, how do we keep our mind healthy? You know, a great question is, where are your thoughts taking you? Experts estimate that most people have an average of fifty to 60,000 thoughts a day. You know, we all have some type of soundtrack playing in our minds. Uh, psychiatrists, psychologists call this self-talk. You know, we're having these conversations in our head. 
we're always imagining conversations with either ourselves or or, or, or with other people and and and, and we're, we're, we're we're talking to ourselves we're getting feedback we're critiquing ourselves we're criticizing ourselves maybe we're encouraging ourselves but but there's a soundtrack playing all the time what's the soundtrack inside your head saying this is so so important Rick Warren says this he says your imagination shapes your life in other words, the way you think is going to affect the way you feel. And the way you feel is going to affect the way you act. And if you want to change the way you act, you've got to change the way you think. You know, everything comes back to the mind. Every fight that we fight, um, every battle that we're engaged in really starts in our mind. Every temptation for sin starts in our minds. And Paul God bless the Apostle Paul. He gave us some, some, some verses to use. You know, the Bible's not just to read for our devotions. It's, 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 a, it's a really the weapon, one of the weapons of our warfare. It's the sword of the Spirit. And so he gave us some ammunition. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He also said, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And then, of course, in Romans 12, too, he encourages us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, how healthy are you in your mind? Where do your thoughts take you? What do you find yourself thinking about? Um, how are your thoughts helping you or hindering you? Do you find yourselves think, thinking about these things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, things that are excellent, worthy of praise? Or, like so many of us from time to time, do you default to the negative? Do you look for the negative in things? Do you look for what's wrong in situations? Do you look for something to complain about? Do you let your mind wander to places where it shouldn't go? Rick Warren again says, Manage your mind because it's the key to peace and happiness. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict. And a managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. When you don't try to control your mind in the way you direct your thoughts, you will have an enormous amount of stress in your life. But a managed mind leads to strength and security and serenity. Let's work hard to manage our thoughts. Let's work hard to focus our thoughts on the right things. Um, if we do that, as Rick Warren says, managing our minds we'll find that it is the key to peace and happiness. But we said that our, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, what about the will? Now, some, some theologians honestly would place the will in the realm of the spirit, but, but either way, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it here. It still needs to be addressed. Um, as I said, most systematic theologians are going to say the, the mind, will, and the emotions are the components of the soul. 
You know, the will is the most powerful force in the universe. Now, obviously, people push back when I say that because they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's the most powerful force in the universe. And and that is true. But the reason I say that the human will is the most powerful force in the universe is God has given us the ability to even resist Him. He never forces Himself on us. He gives us a free will to choose or to reject Him. So the human will is a powerful force. So how do we deal with our will? How do we keep our will healthy? How do we keep it uh, lined up with God's will? Uh, James says this in chapter 4, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, that's that's a rich passage of Scripture, but I just want to highlight two thoughts. First of all, submit yourselves to God. Submit your life to God and especially submit your will to God. I have to do this every day. You know, I have to be reminded every day that that it's, it's His will, not my will. What did Jesus pray? Not my will, but your will be done. And this is so powerful. And, and our will is constantly being saved. Remember, our spirit as we said last week, our spirit is saved instantly. That's the, the, the process of justification. But sanctification is the, the, the renewal of our minds, the renewal of our, of our will and our, and our emotions. It's, it's this process of becoming more like Christ. So, so even Jesus had to say, not my will, but your will be done. And then we do this, again, highlighting from from this passage in James, humble yourselves before the Lord. You know, humility is an interesting thing. Um, C.S. Lewis said, you know, it's one of those things that when when we're trying to develop humility, we can get proud because we can say, hey, I'm trying to become more humble. But uh, Dallas Willard, in in uh, one of his amazing books, he says, Uh, Really, one of the the greatest spiritual disciplines and one of the greatest spiritual exercises to developing humility and in turn learning to submit our wills to to God is learning how to serve. Learning to serve others, humbling ourselves before other people and, of course, before God really creates a humility in us, that humility of a servant, and it makes our will more moldable. So we've talked about our mind We've talked about our will. And then what about our emotions? How am I, how are you at managing your emotions? Do you control them or do they control you? There's a verse in Proverbs, verse 20, chapter 25, verse 28. It says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Listen to that again. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Do you know anybody that has um, a lack of emotional self-control? You know, maybe, maybe it's a family member, maybe somebody you work with, maybe it's you. 
Um, lacking emotional self-control is so, so dangerous. And it really sets us up for failure in every area of life. Uh, over the many years I worked for the police department, I saw so many people commit career suicide because they just lacked emotional self-control. They just couldn't keep their mouths shut. They couldn't get out of their own way. And they were always looking um, to, to, to criticize or to, to, to voice their opinion in a very nasty way to the, the, the higher level managers. And, you know, if, if you do that, you can't be surprised if you uh, don't get promoted. But a person without self-control is like a city without broken down walls. We've got to develop self-control in our lives to protect our lives. You know, in the U.S., I can't speak for any other country, but in the U.S., we spend billions and billions of dollars every year treating depression, anxiety, substance abuse, suicidal thoughts, and so many other mental issues. You know, those in the ministry are not exempt from these things. Here's a question. Do you have somebody that you can talk to? Um, you know, we, we, we tend to think that people in the ministry, pastors, uh, at people at whatever level, and, 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 and if you're not in the ministry, that's fine, but, but all of us as Christians can struggle with these things. When, when my wife and I lived on the mission field, when we lived in South America for five years, there were periods of darkness when I struggled with depression. Um, there have been periods of my life when I have battled this, this spirit of heaviness, the Bible calls it. And honestly, I think the only reason that I've survived is because uh, I've been able to talk about it and get healing. Listen to what James says. In chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. You know, sometimes when I read the Bible, I read verses and I'm, you know, kind of wish it wasn't even in the Bible. This is one of those verses because when, when we read this, it says, confess your sins. And that's easy enough. I mean, I can confess my sins to God, but that's not what James said. He said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, it's one thing to confess my sins to God, but to confess my sins to a trusted leader or a brother and ask them to pray for me, well, that's difficult because they might judge me. It's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's shameful. It's, it can be difficult, you know, but this is one of the reasons God made the church. He created the church so that we could uh, be connected to each other and that we could uh, draw strength from each other. When I'm weak, you're strong. When you're weak, I'm strong. But we can confess our sins to each other and pray for each other that we might be healed. Now, this doesn't mean you just confess it to anybody. Obviously, a trusted leader, a small group leader, a connect group leader, a pastor, a, you know, a trusted friend who's a little further down the road than you are. But when you do this, when you say, look, I'm battling depression. Listen, I, I've been having suicidal thoughts. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm dealing with, um, you know, I'm probably drinking more than I should or what, whatever it is. You know, if there's some other battle that you're facing um, in the area of your, your emotions, don't be afraid to confess it to somebody and ask them to pray for you. Because usually what, what happens is when you 
get up the courage and confess it, you usually hear, oh yeah, I've dealt with that too. You know, we're not islands. We, we all struggle with the same things, you know, in, in general terms. And so there's a real power in confessing something. And it's in confessing that we find our healing because we can pray for each other. So um, as I said, you know, we, we think of mental, mental health as, as some, something that's, you know, to be shunned. But look, just like we have issues in our physical body, sometimes in our soul and our minds, we need to get healed as well. That's why there's, there's wonderful um, doctors, therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, um, you know, and, and, and even if you don't feel like you need to talk to somebody who's a professional, Talk to your pastor. Talk to your connect leader. Find somebody that you can talk to because I guarantee you when you talk and you confess and you say, look, I've been struggling with this and you get it out on the table and they pray for you, then you're going to find healing. And remember, that's what we're talking about here. The whole reason we're doing this series, Spirit, Soul, and Body, How Healthy Are You? is to get healthy so that we can be more effective for Christ. Uh, remember, I, I just got through sharing this recently with a with a group of high level ministers, and the feedback I got from so many of them was, I, "I've always been afraid to talk about my depression. I've always been um, ashamed to talk about the anxiety I feel or the other issues that I'm dealing with." But you know, just by sharing this, you've given me the courage to talk about it and to um, and to realize that God really wants to heal me. So that's that's my prayer for you as well is that you'll be able to find somebody to talk to and, and and share whatever it is that you're going through so God can heal your soul and not only heal it, but keep it healthy. Because so far we've talked about our spirit and our soul, and we really believe that God um, has created you to be healthy in your spirit and in your soul. Well, we will wrap it up here. We've got one more part to cover next week. Well... Spirit, soul, and body, we've only got one more to cover. So next week we'll be talking about our physical health and how very often it actually carries over into the realm of the spirit and the soul. And and, and we'll look at some very practical things to help you. So make sure you tune in next week for part three. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, um, I would just be pleased if you would go to iTunes and give me a rating. Um, also, if you want to stay in touch, go to davidspell.com and uh, drop your email address in the box at the upper right-hand corner. And that way I will send you my monthly newsletter. You'll also get all my blogs and this podcast will come right into your inbox. And it's just a great way for us to stay connected. And of course, if you have any prayer requests or um, you got any questions or comments, feel free to leave them at davidspell.com. Um, or you can give me an, shoot me an email, david at davidspell.com. I love to stay in touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to stay healthy. Mm-hmm.